Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. Well, good morning once again. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm Robbie Itterberg, one of the pastors. And as we move into the message for this morning, I'm wondering, when you need to figure out your way, where do you turn? When you need hope, or you need guidance, or a path forward, where do you turn? This week, I was out of town for a few days at a conference, and I flew in and out of Newark, and I have to confess to you that I hate driving around Newark Airport. Like, I can navigate most everywhere I've ever been just fine, but there is something about the roads around Newark Airport that are a real problem for me. In February, I was, I was coming back from a trip to Colorado, and I was following a GPS app, and it was leading me in circles. And I'm serious, five times I went past the same thing before I lost my mind and switched apps and decided to go a different direction. Well, this time I figured, okay, now I know what's coming. I know which app to use. And so I'm doing fine for the first few minutes. And then I'm approaching this fork, which is kind of like two forks. And you can go to the right and you either take the first one or the second one. And I'm trying to figure it out. And phone's here. And so I'm looking down and looking up at the road. And I'm actually on the phone, hands-free, Bluetooth, but on the phone. So I'm a little distracted, can't exactly figure it out. And I decide at the last second, I'm going to take the first fork. And as soon as I get onto that ramp, it tells me it's rerouting. Well, in my frustration, I just decided to take the next left. I'm not really sure why. And miraculously popped onto another road that if I was willing to swerve across three lanes of traffic within a quarter of a mile, I could get onto the turnpike. And of course I did because I was so desperate not to be going in circles again and again and again, right? Not my finest moment, but such relief. See, I think we often find ourselves in life in need of reliable guidance, making wrong turns, making decisions that aren't working, longing for a path forward out of the darkness and the frustration. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. In this next message in our sermon series, it calls, we're calling What Matters in the End. This is a sermon series walking through Peter's second letter. It's a, Peter, it's a letter that Peter wrote from prison in Rome, knowing that his own death was coming soon. And so this letter reflects the thoughtfulness that comes when you know your time is short and what he thought matters most in the end. And so this week, Peter is talking about the guidance, the guide that we have for life. And so we're going to jump into 2 Peter chapter 1. If you want to follow along on the screen, we're starting at verse 16, but let's listen as God speaks to us this morning. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, as you give us your word and you've given us your spirit, Will you take what's been read and what's proclaimed and make it yours, whatever is not of you, will you cause it to fall away and be forgotten so that all that's left is your word guiding us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what does Peter tell us that we have to guide us through life? He tells us that we have the words of the prophets in Scripture. And really, this is a reference to all of the Bible. Right? For thousands of years, Peter is saying, the prophets have been writing down the promises of God. Specifically, he references the promises that he will come or that he's going to send his Messiah to ultimately make everything right. Right, to, to bring justice where there has been evil, to bring healing for wounds, to, in other words, fix everything that's broken and it's going to happen through his glorious son. Well, and Peter says, hey, and I've seen him. I got a glimpse of his glory. Specifically, he's referring to a time that's captured in Matthew 17, which is referred to as the transfiguration. And Peter and James and John were invited to go up this mountain with Jesus. And on this mountain, Jesus changes right in front of their eyes and he begins to like glow. And he's, he's radiating even more than that. It's like he, he's got lightning emitting from him. Is that in this moment, they got a glimpse of the glory of Jesus, his divine glory. And heard at the same time the father speaking, saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now imagine for Peter what a shaping experience that must have been. And how he reflects after Jesus has risen from the dead on that event and so many others, realizing how all of the pieces are fitting together. Imagine him going, I, I didn't see it before, but the prophets have been telling us this the whole time. The scriptures are telling us that he would come and serve, that he would suffer, that ultimately he would die. That the Messiah would take on our sin, that he would be the glory of God. The prophets told us he would rise again. And Peter, as an eyewitness to the fulfillment of some of these prophecies, is saying to the, to the people, the audience of this letter, and to us today, if these were true and I've seen it with my own eyes, then it's all true. God's going to make everything right and you can count on it. And imagine what a, a word of hope this must have been for Peter's original audience. Right? He's writing in the early 60s uh, of Rome, probably, to the church that's under persecution from Nero, who, as legend has it, would gather up Christians simply because they believed and followed Jesus and would use them as human torches to light the streets 
of Rome. And this was a people in desperate need of guidance. A word of hope spoken into their darkness. And Peter's saying, I know you know the scriptures. Hang on to what you know is true. Lean in. They will guide you and they are reliable. And it wasn't just Peter, but the other eyewitnesses passed on their testimony to others who were faithful in capturing it, in writing it down, who thought it was so important that they were meticulous in copying it down. If you've ever wondered about the reliability of the scriptures, is it accurate or is it just this giant game of telephone that the original meanings have been lost so we can't really trust it anyway, I would encourage you to go look at the research. The Bible, the biblical texts are the most reliable, consistent ancient manuscripts that we have. Because they valued this eyewitness testimony, not just because the eyewitnesses shared it, but because, as Peter said here, they had this conviction that no prophet, no writer of Scripture was speaking on their own. The things they've written are not from their own creativity, their own ideas, their own interpretation, but all of the writers of the Scripture are writing the words of God himself as the Holy Spirit carried them along. Now, now, don't get me wrong. They were still human in their full humanness, and you can see in the writings different personalities and different temperaments and their own voice, but through it is also the voice of God communicating what it is that he wanted to communicate. Jesus himself had this very clear understanding of the scriptures. In John 5, Jesus is in another argument. I don't know if you've ever read the Gospels and realized how often Jesus is arguing with people, but it's like all the time. And sometimes he even picks the argument. And in this case, he is arguing with the religious leaders about his own identity. And he says this in John 5, he says, the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You've never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. You see what Jesus said at the beginning and the end of that? He says, the scriptures testify about me. The Father testifies about me. How is the Father testifying? Through the scriptures. The Bible is God's word spoken to us. That may not be new or news to you. So, I mean, you may be kind of going, yeah, so what? (laughs) So what? God, the creator of the universe, wants to talk to you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to guide you, wants to lead you through whatever the particular circumstances of your life that you're walking through, and he knows every detail, and he knows the word that needs to be spoken to you, and the Bible is the most clear way that God speaks to us. It's not the only way, but it is the most sure way. It's the thing that we can hold on to and say he's given us this gift, his word spoken to us. And so Peter says, if we do well to listen to the prophets, to listen to the scriptures. Well, it's kind of like, duh, Peter, thanks for that. Why does he have to remind us that we do well to listen? 
Well, maybe because we don't listen very well. Maybe it's because we find ourselves distracted and busy. Because how else are we going to listen to God speaking through the Bible unless we take time to actually read it? I mean, okay, you can listen to it. I mean, there's audio versions, right? You can download Bible apps. That's a great option. But either way, it takes space and it takes time to intentionally listen. And so, do you want to connect with God? I'm going to say, yes, you're here. That says something about you. If you want to connect with God, one of the ways that you can do that is to spend time reading the Bible. Because through it, he will speak to you. And then you can speak back to him and respond to what he says in prayer. And now you're having a dialogue. You're having a relationship. Peter also tells us that we do well to listen to the scriptures because the reality is we have lots of alternatives, don't we? I mean, when you need guidance in your life, where do you go? Do you talk with parents? Maybe you call up your siblings. Maybe you have friends that you seek out for counsel. Maybe you Google it. Look it up on YouTube. Talk to Alexa. You know, and those are fine options. As a matter of fact, most of us are looking for answers through the internet these days. And it's an amazing option when you're looking for something really practical. Some real practical guidance. Maybe it's how to cook a particular recipe or how to wire a dimmer switch or something like that, right? But what about when you need a word of hope because this diagnosis came through? What about when you need guidance because you were laid off? What about when your relationship fails? Or when you're overwhelmed by disappointment and uncertainty or change? See, God wants to speak to you in all of those moments. And you might be thinking, come on, really, the Bible? But man, the Bible is so hard to understand, it's confusing. You're right. I'm not going to pretend that there aren't difficult parts to understand. As a matter of fact, there's still plenty of parts of the scripture that I wrestle with and don't claim to have a complete understanding. And so I have to read them again and reread them and read them again after that. And why do we think that we have to, if we have to reread something, it isn't worth reading? Why do we give up so quickly? If, have you ever had a friendship with someone who didn't speak the same language as you? What did you do? I, I spent a summer as a missionary in Siberia and Mongolia. And at one point in the summer, we were working with college students in, in Russia. And, you know, really the whole idea was to spend time with them, play with them, get to know them, and just share life, and if the opportunity allowed, present, share Jesus with them. Here was the only problem. I spoke zero Russian. But there was this one guy that I connected with really naturally. His name was Vanya. And Vanya and I spent hours and hours and hours together. We'd play soccer, and we'd play football, and we'd share music. And there was lots of times where there were no interpreters around, but because we spent so much time together, we, we, he tried to speak English, and I tried to speak Russian, and there was lots of time where I had no clue what he was saying, and I'm sure the same was true for him. 
But we would work at it because it was worth it to us. Because the relationship was worth the hard work to try to understand each other. If your relationship with God is worth it, then maybe it's worth the hard work of trying to understand what he's saying through the Bible, even when it's hard. And there are lots of resources that you can use to help you understand. And if you need help finding those, I can help point you to those. Or you could also join a group. It's part of why we gather to grow in groups because we grow so much when we learn with and from others about what God is saying and how he's speaking and what he's doing in our lives. And when you push through the difficulty... You can learn things of the, the genres of the Bible and learn to understand it in context and see the big picture and understand the times and places that God was speaking into and how those relate to us today. And as you practice, you'll get better at understanding. And as you make space to not just read it, but to listen, to consider, to meditate, then God's word will come alive to you and it won't just be the Bible or God's word in general. It will be God's word spoken to you today. Another difficulty I think we have with approaching the Bible may be actually what, what Mark Twain said. He said this, when, when I read the Bible, the parts that trouble me the most are not the ones I don't understand, but the ones I do understand. I think he's so right. Because when we come to the Bible, there are lots of things in it that we understand, but we just don't like. And maybe it's because we find some of the things in it, some of the ideas to be antiquated and outdated, things about clothing and hairstyles, ideas about sex and relationships, how could God judge and condemn people like this so harshly? And we skip over these parts or even more so are tempted to throw them out completely because they don't seem to have relevance for our lives today because, you know, we're a lot more understanding and enlightened people. Which is quite a bold thing for us to say or to think if the Bible isn't just the words of ancient humans, but is actually God's word. We're essentially saying that, no, I, I know better than God. And we can get so offended by the Bible. But I wonder, if, if we weren't offended by something in the Bible, would we have an authentic and genuine relationship with God? Like, it, if God didn't ever offend you, would you have a real relationship with him? Think about anybody in your life who you have a real relationship. I mean, really knows you. And you really know them. Have you really never had a time where there's been disagreement or offense? I would say there probably has. And if not, maybe you don't have as real a relationship as you thought. And those don't have to be the moments where the, the relationship fractures and breaks down. As a matter of fact, that could be the opportunity to deepen the relationship as you go, really, you, do you believe? How could you possibly think that? And as you start to share more and more, you unveil and reveal more of your heart and your values and your perspective, and they do for you, and you come to a greater level of appreciation and a deeper sense of knowing. 
And I think as we approach God and get offended, this actually can be the opportunity for us to come to a greater understanding of the heart and the values of God, to know him more deeply, come to a place of deeper and more authentic relationship actually through his words that offend us rather than by avoiding those words. And would you really want God to affirm everything about you anyway? To say everything that you believe, the way you're living, yep, you're fine. I mean, would you really want that? Do you really want people in your life to just say yes? I mean, if people only ever say yes to you, don't ever challenge you, give you feedback, give you constructive criticism, will you ever grow? Will you ever become the the best, fullest version of yourself? If God doesn't actually challenge us and offend us, then really maybe it's just God doesn't care. See, God's willing to offend us because first he doesn't just need our approval. Like he doesn't need us to like what he says. He's not nearly as codependent as we sometimes think. But he's also so for me that he doesn't want to settle, me to settle for anything less than the fullest life that he intended to give. And so he will tell me the truth. And so if we won't accept, we won't listen to the parts of the Bible that are offensive, then we'll just start throwing them out. But if we start throwing them out, here's my question. If there's parts that you're ignoring, where do you stop? And on what basis? And how do you decide which is the real and the true part and which isn't without saying essentially, you know what, I'm going to be God here. I'll make that decision. Peter's telling us you do well to listen to the word of God even and maybe especially when you come to the hard parts. Finley Peter Dunn was an Irishman and in 1902, He wrote a commentary about newspapers in that day and their huge role in life and society. And he was saying that newspapers are the source of incredible comfort and the source of incredible affliction as they report on the matters of the world. And many preachers in that day were reflecting on this and actually rather than seeing the newspaper in this way, they came to understand the gospel this way and came to articulate that it's the gospel actually that comforts and afflicts. As a matter of fact, that the gospel comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. The gospel comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Because the scriptures, as they point to the good news in Jesus, will comfort the afflicted. Give incredible hope in times of despair and darkness when we feel like we are not enough, can't do enough, have no value, no worth, when we're insecure and afraid of what the future is going to hold. What incredible comfort. And the gospel will afflict the comfortable. It will offend me. It will call all of us as Americans to account for our comfortable, luxurious, wealthy lifestyle and our contentment to allow most of the rest of the world to simply languish. It will call us to account for our greed, call us to account for our self-centeredness and our tendency to create our own little tribe and only that tribe will we defend, will we stand up for, will we love and will we care for. 
It calls us to to account for so many things and will fend us on so many fronts and it will call us individually and collectively to the highest version of ourselves. Peter says you do well to listen to these scriptures because they will shine like a light in the darkness of our lives. This is what Psalm 119 was getting at earlier that we read in verse 105. It said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. What is the point of the light of the lamp? What's the point of a flashlight? Right? It's to illuminate what's around you, isn't it? What's beside you, what's in front of you, but not just to illuminate it. It's so that you can follow the path, so that you can move. And in our lives, we need guidance so we can move forward. But imagine this. Imagine you have a flashlight, and it's getting dark out, and so you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Hey, I've got a flashlight. I'll be fine. And you flick that flashlight on, and what if you take that flashlight and just hold it right up to your eye? Anybody ever done that? No? I'm the only one? Okay. Hypothetically, if you did that, it wouldn't feel very good. Wouldn't be super helpful to show you the way. Right? As a matter of fact, you leave it there for long enough, I don't, they always said it, it's going to blind you. I don't know if that's actually true. But at least temporarily, you'll be blinded by that light even when you take the flashlight away. And you're not going to be able to figure out your way forward. And this actually can be what happens with the Bible. Because it's supposed to be a light to help us move forward, a guide to the path that God wants for us. But there's lots of folks who spend lots of time reading the Bible, knowing the Bible, quoting it, and yet their lives aren't moving. This was Jesus' problem with those Pharisees he was arguing with in John chapter 5. Right? They knew a lot more scripture than any of us know. They had it memorized. And yet Jesus was saying, you've missed the whole point. You've spent all this time looking at the light rather than using the light to help you move in the path that God wants for you, to follow his will, to live out his plan and his purpose, to guide you, to transform you. So the point of today is not the Bible. The Bible is the guide to the life that God wants for you. It's a guide for you. And so... We're to allow it to guide us even in the dark places when we don't know what to do. Tony Evans is a pastor and he uses this story to illustrate what we're talking about. He says, one day there was a pilot flying his plane and noticed in front of him there was a cloud, a small cloud. And so he just figured he'd pop through the cloud and come out on the other side, no big deal. And he got into the cloud and suddenly, fairly quickly realized that the cloud was a little bigger than he thought. And so he just figures, no problem, I'll just go higher, I'll get up above it. And so he pulls up and keeps going up and yet can't seem to find where the cloud ends going up. And so he decides, okay, no problem, I'll just go underneath the cloud and and it'll be fine. So he goes down and for a while he can't seem to even find the bottom of the cloud and so levels off because he's starting to feel a little bit nervous starting to feel a little bit disoriented because can't see anything through the cloud and starts to have this uneasy feeling, starting to sweat, starting to feel like he's getting, his own equilibrium is getting off to the point that he feels like maybe, maybe he somehow flipped the plane over and so he's starting to feel like he, he could be upside down. 
But in that moment, he looks at his instruments and his instruments is saying, no, 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 everything's fine. Right where you're supposed to be, still right side up. But he couldn't help with this dread continuing to grow in him that he could be. What if he is upside down? He feels like it and yet in that moment, he makes a decision. He's gonna follow his instruments. He's gonna trust them to guide him. And eventually, through his sweat, through his dread, he pops out of the cloud. Fairly low to the ground because he had gone fairly low, but pops out safely. A lot of the time, we feel, and we, when we come to the Bible, we feel like something's off. We have our own assumptions. We have this discomfort within us. We're trying to find our way through life. And most of the time, we're just going to go based on our own gut feeling. But if we're following our own gut feeling, so often it can lead to crash and ruin and destruction. And God's saying, I've given you this gift, this tool, the Bible, as a guide for you in those times of disorientation when your feelings can't be trusted to guide you. But what if I've already flipped the plane? What if I have already made these bad choices in my past? What if I've been ignoring the Bible, ignoring God, ignoring his plan? What if I have a lot of knowledge of the Bible, but it hasn't led to anything but self-righteousness and there's no real movement in my life? Then what? Where does that leave me? Peter says, you do well to listen to this. Because the scriptures are a light in the darkness as you wait until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. That day that will dawn, that morning star that rises, all scripture is pointing to Jesus. Pointing to the day when he will come again when he will right every wrong, when he will heal every wound. He has already taken our sin upon himself on the cross. So there is no condemnation for you, for those past choices, if you put trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. And so he will come to heal, to restore, to make all things new. This is the hope that the Bible is giving us, pointing us to what God has done for us through Jesus and what he will do for us in the future through Jesus Christ. And the Bible is intended to guide us to him, to lead our steps as we seek to know him more fully, to give us, to point us to the fullness of life that God intends for each and every one of us as we wait for him to come again. Friends, you will do well, I will do well to listen to God as he speaks through his Bible, as he gives guidance for life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you don't settle for anything less than the fullest life you intend for us, that you continue to speak even when we ignore, when we don't listen, when we are distracted, when we're offended, that you speak that truth to us and for us that we can grow that we can know you more deeply, that we can have hope in despair, that we can have light for our path to guide us, that we can have a sure guide in the midst of the darkness, that we can trust in you and what you're saying to us. Lord God, may you help us to push through the times of difficulty and confusion. Help us push through our apathy and our laziness and our distractedness. Help us to hear your voice as you speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.